Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you out here. Can you look around and say hello to each other? <laughs> Give a wave. <laughs> Amen. This morning, we are in the series of intentional relationship, and I'm going to be talking about our favorite emotion, anger. <laughs> Let's start um, by saying the scripture that we can all say it together. It says, be angry. And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this moment that the word of God can go forth. And as it goes forth, I pray that, God, that you would touch not only our minds but our hearts to do this. And that you would be a change, Lord, about you that, so that we can give glory to, to you in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Just to let you know that uh, Pastor Asado, uh, the whole family is now headed towards um, Israel, so keep them in prayer. So, on, I like to open with a story, and it's about a story I read on the internet, and it's about on an interstate highway in New Mexico, and there was a guy named Alan Garcia. As he was driving, he kind of got angry because another car had forced him out of his lane. And that emotion that he gave set off and what they call a, a chain of events in his life. The driver of the other car named Tony Torres gave a chase when Alan Garcia did that. Then what happened was Garcia, pulled, Tony Torres pulled a gun, a handgun, and fired two shots into the car. One of them hit Garcia's four-year-old daughter, killing her. An incident that triggered really an emotion which overtook his life that ended in murder. You know, when I'm thinking about that story and I think about every day, it's so easy to get angry as people. Think about it. You want to get angry? Turn on the news. <laughs> right? <laughs> you get angry because you're not being treated fairly. You know, people don't listen to you. Uh, the boss doesn't agree with you, tells you that it rubs you the wrong way. Uh, you get angry when you're late for an appointment or have to go to work and the car in front of you is going the speed limit. The, the list goes on and on and on. I remember when I first kind of encountered my anger was when I was, first became a Christian and my friend told me about his anger, what happened with him, and he got really angry about something. And I said, I, and I thought to myself, I don't get angry like that. Okay. So anyway, one day I was I'm really into sports, and there was this great boxing match on TV, and I was full into it. The hype was everything. It was going on round after round. I was sitting down with my dad and my little sister, who was about this high at that time. She comes into the living room and says, I know who won the fight, and she blurted it out. I was sitting there, and all of a sudden this feeling came over me. It burnt, I stood up. And I started yelling at my little sister, like screaming at her. And my dad was looking at me. He never did see me like that. And he thought I went crazy. <laughs> and he told me, well, why are you so angry? And I started to explain everything. And then later my sister came into the room after the fight, and she apologized, and I said sorry too. But, you know, we can get triggered in a lot of ways in this area. But the Bible says that another point is this, that not all anger is sin. Because the Bible says this, be angry and sin not. 
Joyce Meyer says, is all, ang all, all anger sin? No, but some of it is. Even God himself has righteous anger against sin, injustice, rebellion, and pettiness. You know what? But I'm glad God loves, forgives, gives grace to us because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. So there's two questions I want to pose to you this morning. Does anger, or you ask, yeah, ask yourself this. Does anger take me to the place of regret? Number one, does my anger take me to the place of regret? And number two, is anger unresolved in my heart? Is there something there? You know, there's a saying that's speak when you're angry and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. I've done a couple of those, okay? And anger makes us do things we regret. Yeah. You know, um, to live this life that God wants us to live, it all begins within us, inside of our hearts. That's what God is looking at, and he wants to change us. And in Matthew chapter 5, 21... It says that you have heard it, and it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, or thou shalt not kill, that was the Ten Commandments, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, you'll be in danger of hellfire. Wow. You know, the law in those days was thou shalt not kill. The people knew that. It was their, the religious order of that time. That was their thing they believed, totally believed in. That was the Ten Commandments. That was bad. But if a person who was angry and degrades others, it was okay. And Jesus comes on the scene. And he tells them that the outward action is wrong, but also the inward emotion that is unresolved and verbal abuse is wrong too. They say that unresolved anger is like an iceberg. Where there's many things underneath the surface of the iceberg. And God has to work in our life. They say that the refining pot for silver in Proverbs 17.3. The refining pot for silver and the furnace for gold. But the Lord tests hearts. You know, when I was small... Uh, Young, we used to make lead. And how we used to do it was we used to uh, get lead, you know, chunks of lead, and they heat it up. And in heating up, I would see all this junk come up. And then we would scrape it off, and then we would put the lead in the mold. And a lot of times God will do that in our life so that he can be glorified in us. You know, I never thought I had an anger issue until I got married. I have a long list. <laughs> I used to, when we first got married, um, we used to live out in Paia and we used to come here. And then um, my wife, she, she, you know, to get ready, she takes longer. You know, women take longer than men, I, I think. Anyway, so by the time we came here, we'd be in the middle of worship or in the worship. And I'd be fuming because I was taught... When I grew up all my life, you got to be on time or early. And so we would enter into the church, 
And my wife would just enter and lifting up her hands and worshiping God. And there I am, fuming in the church, all mad because we were late. God is working us through me, through my wife. And so a friend told me, um, my wife is the only one that makes me mad. <laughs> that shouldn't be the case, okay? But there's three halves that I put on this point about this area. Number one is to have a grace box. And Pastor Asado, he gave me this article, a sermon about anger. And then this guy, this pastor said, each of us should have a grace box. It is something that we say, the box is, can you put it away? Now, I put the scripture, Galatians 5.22, on the box, the grace box. Because in the box, in the scripture, it says, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You realize that? Long-suffering is part of the fruit of the Spirit. This box says, again, can you put it away? Which means... Are there things in your life that bothers you, that irritates you, that may cause you to get an angry emotion? Those things should be put in the grace box. Uh, always, I'm going to give my example with my wife again because I got okay on this one. <laughs> we were, she puts these two containers in the back of the trunk. Okay, and get like 20 bags or whatever in each one. And when I open the trunk, there's no room really to put anything. And I kept telling her, there's no room. I don't know why you have to put this. And then, so anyway, oh, such a, oh, nothing. So when we go shopping, she'll usually take it out. One day we went to Costco. We got our groceries. I opened the trunk, and there it was. <laughs> and I went off. <laughs> I scolded my wife. I said, why? Because for me, there has to be a purpose for it, right? And if you get 50 bags, and then later she told me, oh, that's for every story on Maui. <laughs> I got so mad at that. And then last night when I told her, oh, you know, is it okay if I shared this story? And she said, yeah, okay. And I said, did I apologize to you? And she said, no. <laughs> so I apologized last night, but I thought I apologized, but she said I didn't, so I had to apologize last night. <laughs> Her goal is to put a cooler in the trunk, too. <laughs> Long-suffering. Put it in the grace box. My friend told me that, oh, it's not in a box I have. It's a container I have. <laughs> that box is a box of automatic forgiveness. A box that says there are more important things in life than bags in the trunk or a tennis ball that is called out, but it's in. <laughs> a box that reminds us that life is really too short. The second thing is what we have to have is a mind of Christ. It says, for who? has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Hebrews 8.10 also says that I will make a covenant 
I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them in their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. I love sports, most sports, and I love to follow golf. And one of them was this guy named Payne Stewart. On October 25, 1999, he was riding a small plane that plummeted into the ground near Nina, South Dakota, killing everyone aboard. Apparently what happened was there was a faulty window seal in the aircraft, causing oxygen to suddenly leave the plant, uh, cabin, causing almost instant death. The plane actually flew for four hours on autopilot before running out of fuel, then crashing. They were already dead. Among them, he was among them. But just a few months earlier, he had captured the U.S. Open golf tournament, which is a major tournament in what they call a storybook fashion. Because a year before, in that tournament, he was close to win and he lost at the end. But this year, he won. And when he accepted the trophy, he surprised everyone by saying this. First of all, I have to thank the Lord. If it wasn't for faith that I have in him, I wouldn't have been able to have faith that I had in myself and on the golf course. Those words were far from where he was years ago. His mom described him as outspoken and rude. His wife used words like arrogant. His caddy said he was very impatient and he did not have any self-confidence. During the tournament, Payne wore a bracelet. I don't know if you can see it on his arm. And that letter was WWJD, which means, what would Jesus do? Have you ever asked that question when you're faced with a situation? What would Jesus do in this situation? You know, many times... <laughs> I don't ask that question, and I let WWLD, what would Lance do? <laughs> and what happens? It doesn't work out at all. <laughs> anyway, I've asked Brian. Brian, can you come up? My friend Brian. Brian and I, Brian, we walk twice a, uh, twice a week every, uh, at 5.30 in the morning walking Maui Lani Parkway, and I got to know him very well. And Brian is um, a teacher at Baldwin High School and also a coach, a football coach at Kamehameha. Yeah. <laughs> it's been great walking with Brian and getting to him. So, Brian, maybe you can share just how long you've been at Grace. Uh, so, we've been coming to Grace for about seven years, close to seven years, yeah. Can you tell us about your family? and So, yeah, so um, just to kind of expand on the background, I know it's kind of confusing. Um, Long-time teacher at Baldwin. I actually started my coaching career there. Um, I was coaching there for about 18 years. When my son started at Kamehameha is when I actually made the move. So there was a reason why I changed. It just wasn't because I didn't like Baldwin anymore. <laughs> I went up there to, to help coach when my son moved up there. But, um, um uh, my wife, Danielle, uh, we've been married close to seven years also. Um, September will be our anniversary. Um, we have a blended family of nine children. I know that sounds like a lot, but um, a majority of those are adults and not living in the house. So it's not as scary as that 
kind of sounds, nine children. It's, uh, we have three left in the, in the household. The youngest is um, Brock and my two stepdaughters. Um, so, looking at his question, looking at Pastor Lance's <laughs> question. Um, so, um, early on in our relationship, in our marriage, um, I, I, I guess I want to preface this a little bit by saying that I tend to be um, fairly patient. I think that comes along with being a teacher. Um, you have to be a little bit patient. Um, I tend to be mostly positive, but I do have <laughs> I do have a hothead side. I do have an anger anger problem. So um, early on in our relationship, I think it was um, a lot of it was just trying to navigate navigate that. I think anybody that's been in a relationship um, or is married knows that there are. Um, Pastor Lance said he has a list, so I know that there's there's different triggers that can set you off, and um, I can't really pinpoint like any one concrete example. Um, I think for me it tends to be a bunch of little things that kind of add up, and then that proverbial straw that broke the camel's back sets you off, and there's a argument, disagreement, um, loud loud words, and words are exchanged and not always in a nice way. Um, but I think um, as our relationship has grown, um, we understand each other better, I think, um, what our triggers are, what kind of sets us off. Um, and I think, you know, just through the grace of God and um, prayer, um, being able to forgive each other, um, being able to give each other that grace, um, and it's gotten, you know, it's gotten better through that. So there's like a grace box. Yes, the family. grace, well, I don't know, for me, I don't know, maybe, for, for Danielle, it's maybe a container. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's a box, hers, hers might be bigger, chest, I don't know. So can you see your, your relationship being changed throughout the years, and what has helped, like, yeah, Danielle tends to be, a, a, I, f I feel like she's, um, her relationship is much stronger um, with, uh, with God, and, and um, I think she tends to ground me that way. Um, <laughs> I, I was mentioning to her after the first service, I said the two hardest words for me to say in the English language is, I'm sorry. And she said, yeah, I think you're allergic to that. <laughs> So, yeah, that's, that for me is a big one, and I think that helps just saying that and, and apologizing if, if there's a disagreement or an argument um, kind of goes a long way to mending or healing uh, the relationship, putting it back together. How has Christ helped your family? Um, yeah, just through, just through the continually being in the Word, um, prayer, asking for forgiveness, and um, just the grace that, that God bestows upon us. Amen. Thank you, Brian. That was awesome. Wow. Brian is so great. He's always on time when we walk. <laughs> Amen. So the last point and what Brian shared was the last point. The last half in your life is this that you should have the heart of Christ, which is forgiveness. 
Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. In Luke chapter 22, 24. The word forgiveness, you know, the disciples, they seen it at, at that point on the cross where when he said it, I believe that they must have thought, wow. When they look back at their journey with the Lord, because Jesus talked about forgiveness as they walked with him, about forgiving people. He talked about in the Lord's Prayer. And they finally seen what forgiveness was about at the cross. You know, Jesus said this in Luke 17. Um, he said, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. If they sin against you seven times a day and come back to saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Wow. And you know what the Lord had said to them? Increase our faith. Forgiveness is not easy. It's not easy. And that's why God will give you the grace to forgive. It says forgiveness is for you. Forgive others not because they deserve forgiveness, but because you deserve peace. And Nelson Mandela said this, as I walk out the door towards freedom, if you know his history about him, I knew that if I did not leave all the anger, hatred, and bitterness behind, I would still be in prison. You know, this morning as we close, I believe that there's some people, you know, might have come into your mind that maybe you need to forgive. It might be a coworker, a boss, a family member, uh, yourself. So I just want to, I'm going to have Leigh come sing a song as she comes. But I just want us to take a moment, close your eyes, and see if there's anybody that God wants you to forgive at this moment. Close your eyes and just take this moment as she comes. I thank you for the message today and that you love us in spite of who we are. And I just pray that um, as we walk through out of these doors, that grace would be part of our life and that we would, what would you do in every situation and that we would have forgiveness of heart towards others. Lord, I just pray for the grace to do that because we can't do it without you. So this morning, we just give you our hearts and our minds this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're going to close, and I'm going to give the blessing upon you, the only prayer God wrote for his people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.